Welcome back, everybody, into Bill's chat. I am Josh McCarty. Luca, you doing okay over there? He is Luca. He's got a smile on his face. Luca, why are you in such a good mood tonight? Uh, never a doubt, Josh. Never a doubt. The 4P is completed. We are AFC East champs once again. And there was never a doubt. Like I, I, I I've been I've been preaching it to you off air for what five weeks now. There was never a doubt. How could there have been a doubt at this point, right? Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Oh, there were some doubts. There were some <laughs> doubts. What a beauty of a game. And you know what, Luca? And I normally kick it to you to start it off, but I'll just tell you this game against the Miami Dolphins tonight. If you had missed the entire Bills season, this basically was a three hour example of what the season was for the Buffalo Bills. It started off with Josh Allen turning the ball over like he had no control over it. And then it's the Bills getting to a point where you're like, well, they've dug too deep of a hole. They're not going to get out of this one. And then the Bills lose a couple of studs, and it's like, oh, they're not going to be able to overcome these injuries. And then Josh Allen puts his Superman cape on and digs the Bills out of the hole. And by the time you look up at the numbers at the end of it, you're like, holy cow, his numbers are actually really, really good. And then they win a really close game at the end. And alas, they're AFC East champions. It's amazing, Luca, how the timeline of this game followed the timeline of their season. And now the Bills are the two seed in the AFC. I think it's redundant to ask you how you were feeling when the game was ending. But what were your initial thoughts when the game ended? Where was your head at? I will start here. When Sean McDermott goes for it on that fourth and one, that's absolutely the right move. And I was so happy. Mm -hmm. One. I was happy that he finally grew a sack and did it a few possess or a few snaps prior on the fourth and whatever it was at that point, I believe it was a half a yard or whatever, but he did it then on his own end only to do it again, where you're staring down the barrel of a 55 yard field goal where it's like, yeah, you could get that, but it seems like kind of a cop out way. If you miss a 55 yarder, which is very plausible, then all of a sudden you're handing the ball off and you kind of in that sense will hand a little momentum back. If you're going for it on fourth and you know, half a yard or whatever it turned out to be, and you don't get it. It's kind of a, you went for it. You didn't get it. Now you're just, yeah, the ball's back in their court, but they still got to do what they got to do. So I love that they did that. And then the fact that they didn't let that, you know, defeat them. Essentially the defense was playing a little soft, but it wasn't prevent defense right it was still a defensive kind of scheme where they were just playing that you know umbrella trap coverage and it when that taylor rap interception happened josh mm. i my wife was sleeping at this point she works early in the morning i had to as softly yet emphatically just look down at the ground and just kind of let out something a little bit of excitement i will just say kind of flex a little bit and feel really, really good. I'm sure plenty of others out there either loudly and jumped up for joy or had to do similar things if anyone's sleeping in their households. And that moment when the kneel downs were coming was just that euphoric, unbelievable feeling that I cannot believe that from the funeral that was the Monday night Denver game, we find ourselves in this spot come the end of week 18 where we have won the division and everything is okay and in front of them now sitting in that two seed with a date against the Steelers in their own ballpark. That's a weird thing to say in the NFL, but in their own stadium. And it's just unbelievable euphoria that was just racing through my body at that point in time, Josh. So for those that don't know, I was, I'm the host of the built in Buffalo halftime show. So I come on every week 
and I kind of give the updates at halftime. And boy, at halftime, it was not going well. Um, you had the Bills down 14 to 7. The first half ended with James Cook dropping a touchdown pass right in his breadbasket. Josh Allen throwing a strike to Ty Johnson, who gets tackled at the one yard line. No helmet to helmet is called on the defense. Uh, the clock runs out. The Bills get no points. The Bills are going into a half down 14 to 7 when they had two interceptions thrown in the end zone. And Josh Allen um, obviously messed up the clock management on the last drive. And you're just thinking to yourself, they've just had way too many missed opportunities this game. These teams are too even for them to overcome these kind of missed opportunities. And in my mind, Luca, I'm thinking to my, I, I started the halftime show off. I already told you this with, Hey everybody, I, I know we're all in a bad mood right now, but thank God the Titans won because we'd all be in such a worse mood right now. If the season was on the line, but in my brain, as that game was playing out, it sure felt like the season was on the line because, yes, the, the Bills had a game next week, win or lose, and they would have been right back in Miami had they lost that game. But I started thinking to myself, man, they're down Rasul Douglas now, and, and you know Tyrell Dodson's out. At one point, Deion Dawkins was on the sideline. Gabe Davis is in street clothes, and now you're thinking about the fact that maybe another week they get Howard back, they get Waddle back, they get Mostert back. It's going to be a better version of the Dolphins. The sun is probably going to be a factor because it'll be a day game, and and you start thinking to yourself like, man, like the path of at Miami, at Baltimore, because you're the seven seed. If you win the first round, you're automatically at Baltimore, who's had two weeks to rest just to get out of the second round versus now where the bills are at home against the Steelers where they're in an eight and a half point favorite. The Steelers should not have TJ Watt Mason Rudolph making his first ever playoff start. If, if, if the bills win that game, they'll be right back in orchard park the very next week, hosting a divisional round matchup against any team in the AFC. That is not Baltimore. It's guaranteed to not be them. Luca, I don't think it can be overstated how big this game was. And I think if if you weren't as clued into the scenarios, there, there might have been people out there thinking, oh, what's the big deal? They're both in the tournament, you know, just don't get hurt. But this game was just massive from playoff path perspective. Oh, 1000%. The, the path, it's funny, off air or before the show, it's not even off air at that point. During NFL Sunday, I was having a conversation with a, a mutual friend of ours, a close friend of mine, Nino. Um, shout out him where we were talking about the paths and things that we want, because there's a discussion that we'll get into even later in this week on our live show, where it's kind of like, who would you rather play if you get through this game? So on and so forth, kind of one of those things. And I know a lot of individuals have one opinion and I seem to have a little bit one that's different. I'm not going to get into the details now. I don't want to spoil it, but I eventually came down to, well, Nino, would you rather have that? Or are you, are you accepting that there's also this reality where it's like at Miami, at Baltimore, and then probably in this scenario, you are at, I think I was like, it's probably at Kansas City at that point. Like, I, I think that's where the kind of the ball dropped. And I mean, it's, it's, I think it would be then Kansas City at whoever the four or five, or Kansas City hosting the four or five situation. And realistically, Cleveland could beat them, but then you got to go to Cleveland, which by the way, if you have to go to Cleveland for an AFC championship game with how the, how they are, that doesn't seem like a very comfortable situation either. So it's just one of those things where staring down the barrel of that, if you lose this game, whereas luckily we didn't, and now it's you're guaranteed to host two where they got to come to Buffalo, which yes, the last time the Bills played a playoff game at home, they lost emphatically. Like it was a problem. 
and we were kind of questioning a lot of things. But you would still much rather do that against lower competition, at least seating wise, and not have to really, hey, you won your first game. Now you get to go to Baltimore, a very difficult place to play with a rested and motivated Lamar Jackson right now, it seems like, where they're kind of just running free on anyone they destroyed the dolphins they destroyed the niners they seem to be the best team in the league at this point in time and that's the reward for winning your first playoff game which was probably going to be a hard fought one itself in a three match with the dolphins so winning this game now is absolutely everything because it buys you so much more kind of confidence and ability to truly feel like you control what you can do at best And the worst thing that comes about it is if you win your first game, you win your second game at home, then you have to eventually go through Baltimore. But that's what happens in the playoffs. You got to beat the best teams. You accept that and much you would much rather sign up for that because it's you're in the semifinals. You just need to win one game to get into the big one. So winning this game is everything. the, The severity of it all was huge. And the fact that it turned on a literal dime and just all of a sudden out of nowhere from defeat these guys figured it out when they needed to in crunch time is just unbelievable considering how much happened this season that doubt had to have creeped into their minds like i i do not doubt that for any bit in second here and finally a spark happened just like this season late in the game like late in the season they figured it out they got it done when they needed to And now we sit in a position that is unbelievable where we have Pittsburgh coming to our house for a wildcard game. And I, you said, turn on a dime boy. Is that right? Because up until the point where Hardy catches the ball and I will even tell you, he catches it like with his heels on the five yard line, my brain, I'm thinking, okay, I'm glad he did that. Cause the way this game's going, that ball is probably going to just die right there. And Blake Ferguson, Reed's brother, is going to run down there and touch it at the one-yard line. It's going to just be like, okay, great. Now the Bills are in their own end zone. And he gets a seam, and he is gone. And everything that I've ever said negative about Deontay Hart, hey, that it's big boy sports. <laughs> these are these are high-leverage moments. You know what? For a baseball reference, you can strike out 200 times in the regular season. You hit two home runs in the World Series, all is forgotten. AFC East title on the line. Everything Deontay Hardy has done to this point, I think, has been disappointing. You pop a punt return that gets your team back on the rails and sparks them to a victory that gets them a a two-seed in the AFC. Good job, buddy. Good job. You are here to stay. And um, what what a massive play by that. But, you know, I come away from this game, and we're going to talk a lot about Josh Allen. We're going to talk a lot about the injuries. We're going to talk a lot about Khalil Shakir and even Trent Sherfield. What a catch that was. My mind, Luca, is on Sean McDermott because what a season Sean McDermott has had from that Tyler Dunn story that I think in a lot of ways, not to be overdramatic about it, feels like maybe it galvanized this team heading into the, the week of Kansas City. The Bills have not lost since that. And it feels like the season could have gone one of two ways at that point. If guys were ready to jump off the McDermott bandwagon, it was a perfect time for guys to kind of show some leaks and they they rallied around him. Sean McDermott, for all intents and purposes, fired Leslie Frazier this offseason. You can call it Leslie Frazier stepping down, but let's call it what it is. Sean McDermott had let him know he's going to take over the play calling. He put the defense on his shoulders. Sean McDermott's defense tonight without Rasul Douglas, without Tyrell Dodson, shut out the Miami Dolphins in the second half. Tyler Dunn's story, and we like Tyler Dunn. I like Tyler Dunn. 
but we're going to be fair here. The story said McDermott is too conservative in crunch time to get this team over the hump. The Bills were one one for three on fourth down in this game. The Dolphins didn't go for a single fourth down. The Bills went for a fourth down three different times with a defensive-minded head coach, and that last one on the 37-yard line, we would have been outside of our minds all offseason if he didn't put the ball in Josh Allen's hands with one yard to go if they punt the ball away and Miami goes down and scores. We would have been second-guessing it, third-guessing it, calling for Jim Harbaugh, whatever you want to do. He put the ball in Josh Allen's hands, and you know what? It didn't work out, and guess what? It didn't matter because his defense went on the field and made a stop. This was a Sean McDermott night. We're going to talk about all the other great things that happened, but Luca, I think this was Sean McDermott's finest hour as Bill's coach. Yeah, in, and I'll be honest, it wasn't perfect either. I will say that. Like, It's not like it was a perfect game for McDermott. I think he still deserves the accolades you're giving him, though, because in the crunch time, when truly the colors of Sean McDermott have shined brightest and not in a great way most of the time, he did do something that almost seems out of character for him at this point where, I mean, I even referenced it early in this episode where it's in your own end when it's fourth and three quarters of a yard or whatever it was. I mean, that is one where I feel like 99 out of 100 times McDermott is punted on. And he understood what was happening in the moment. He understood what was going on. And I'm sure he asked Alan, hey, do you want to go for this? It's not like it's a one one and only decision. But I don't think Alan would ever tell him no. I'll be quite frank with that one. So the fact that he did kind of man up a little bit and go, yes, let's do this. That's a big, big play call. That's a big decision to make. I mean, if you do not get that fourth down, which as we then saw later on, they easily could have been capable of not picking it up. If they do not get that. You're handing the ball on, you know, up seven, you're up seven. So you got that a little bit of a cushion, but you're already in your own end. It's a very difficult thing to defend with three and change or whatever it might be. I will say, if you don't pick that up, three and change for them to go down 30-something yards, you would assume a team like Miami could score well under that time, and you even have a chance potentially of the ball back in a tie game, we'll call it, unless they go for two, which I'll be honest, I think in the back of my head, I think Miami was the type of team, McDaniel's the type of guy, that if they would have scored, Josh, I do believe they would have gone for two. But regardless... He did something out of character. He went for it. He got it. He showed that he wanted to win the game. He goes for it again. Tip of the cap. Because the fun, the funny part about it was when they don't get it and the defense came back on the field, the first thing I did was kind of look at where he's got, you know, his outside boundary corners lined up. Because in the Philly game, for instance, they were always five yards plus back. They were really playing offline of scrimmage. If you really looked at it and paid attention, um, they got caught with Dane Jackson on Tyreek. Chris Collinsworth even pointed out, I want to see if Benford slides over to Tyreek's side. Benford does. At that moment in time, it would kind of be understandable, although I wouldn't have liked it, if you then cushion Benford because you just want to make sure Tyreek doesn't get over top of you. Christian Benford was two yards, if that, off of Tyreek from the line of scrimmage. He was right up on him. There was safety help, of course, but it was not soft coverage that he was calling on the outside. He was calling a true... A, we'll call it aggressive defense in that situation. He was letting his defense try to go seal the game up rather than the mistake he made in Philly where he essentially just let the slow bleed happen as the Eagles drove down the field and inevitably won that game. And learning from your mistakes like that, 
being aggressive when you understand the game and who your best guy is and who you want the ball to be in the hands of when the game is on the line. Those are things that McDermott, I think, has learned from the mistakes of not doing so in prior games and prior moments that, yes, I will even tip the cap to him. I will say it. I, I even messaged it. It's it, I said it earlier. It's like it's about time he grew, you know, that thing between his legs. It's it's about time he's figured it out. It's like you just need to go get it because I will say I'll finish with this, Josh, before I kick it back. It's like. I would much rather live in a world where my coach does make that aggressive play call to try to win the game. And then if they don't get it and you inevitably let a score up, you kind of just, you can be sad about it, but you're not going to be frustrated by it. I feel like you you went for the win. It just didn't work out at that time. Rather than playing not to lose, you tried to win the game. So if it doesn't work out in the end, you're just sad it didn't work rather than frustrated that you didn't go to win the game. And that is something that if they did allow a score, if they did go for two, I think if we were sitting here recording, I would be like, I'm happy to say or happy to see that, you know, McDermott at least went for it. So tip of the cap to him. This was a McDermott game. He deserves all the accolades and all kind of the praise in that regard where he learned from his mistakes. He was aggressive. He was trying to win that game. And then it actually worked out because he called that defense to win and seal the thing up. Thank you, Taylor Rapp, for making that catch and it not hitting the ground. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think Miami would have gone for two. Um, It's funny because you're right. If the Bills had lost and, you know, I'm, the, since doing this podcast with you, my brain is funny watching these Bills games. Like I compartmentalize my diehard fandom that is in the moment trying to figure out what's going to go on. But it's like I'm always kind of like taking mental notes of like, what am I going to say about this? What am I going to say about that? And that moment that where they didn't get the fourth down and I'm thinking, wow, Miami has a lot of time. If they go down and score and ultimately win this game. I was kind of envisioning what you and I would sound like. There was a commercial break after that too. And I was envisioning like what that show would sound like. And nowhere in my brain was I thinking that you and I would be on there hammering McDermott for going for it. Why don't you punt it away? Why don't you kick a long Tyler Bass field goal and make it 10 points that never entered my brain. What entered my brain was you and I just somberly saying who didn't think the game was over when all you needed was a yard with Josh Allen. Like I never would have second guessed the call. I just would have been like, it would have felt like the Titans game from 2021 where it's like, you'd never think they're going to lose until they actually lose. And you're like, Oh really? We lost, but you never second guess the call. Yep. And, um, and I just, I, I thought McDermott in the big moments tonight came up big. And I thought McDaniel a couple times came up kind of small. Um, there was a fourth, uh, fourth and short in his own end that I thought he should have pushed the envelope on, particularly with some of the uh, low injuries he was suffering on defense and McDaniel punted five times in this game tonight. McDermott punted once. Uh, that's one offensive coach, one defensive coach. Uh, one guy went for it three times on fourth down. One guy didn't go for it at all. So there's a lot of narratives out there about what you need to win in this league. Why don't you go ask some folks in Houston about the defensive coach they hired in D'Amico Ryan and see if they want to throw him back for some shiny offensive coordinator. And look, I'm not going to crown McDermott. The money games start now. This was a great start. All right, Luca, one other thing I want to talk. Well, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Stefan Diggs. There's been a lot of speculation. Stefan Diggs could is he is he hurt? Is he does he want out? Is he, you know, why is why are his snap counts going down? And I did a deep dive on our Bills chat uh Twitter this week where I kind of broke down some numbers 
And I was like, you know, if you look at his numbers from 2022 and 2023, he's actually pacing to have more snaps in 2023, where if you look at it, so he, he had like 79% of the offensive snaps in 2022. And, um, up until before the Dolphins game started tonight, he was he was over 80 for the year. And when you look at it, right before Dorsey got fired, if you draw a line in the sand, Diggs was over 90 for the season. I firmly believe the Bills, when they fired Dorsey and brought in Joe Brady, which you would do if you're Sean McDermott, said, this is what my expectations are for you. I'm sure it was like, I want you to run your offense, not his. I want you to do this and this. But I'm sure he's also like, look, this is what's not working for my eyes. One, we are running our number one receiver into the ground right now. Like he is on the wrong side of 30 and we don't need him on dead lades of the playoff. We need to, we need to shorten his snaps a little bit and keep him fresh for the playoffs. There was a concentrated effort to reduce his snaps as the season went on. And I, I think that's what happened. And I made a prediction on our Twitter site or our Twitter on our Twitter um, handle that Diggs was going to be over 80% in this game because they were saving him for the money games. And this was a money game. And I know and I got a lot of pushback. Oh, they've been in money games for the last five weeks. There's a difference between a money game against Easton stick and Bailey Zappi and a money game in Miami against Tua in a team that can go toe to toe with you. Uh, I think the bills had a lot of calculated efforts. I think they would have pushed it against Dallas if James cook hadn't stolen the show. Because Dallas could punch with the Bills if that game hadn't gone how that game was going to go. Um, Stefan Diggs was electric tonight. And he finished the game with, I'm scrolling up as fast as I can here, uh, box score. Diggs had eight catch, or seven catches for 87 yards. And boy, oh boy, Luca, it should have been eight catches for about 160. Because he absolutely roasted. Jalen Ramsey, who, by the way, just continues to have miserable experiences against the Bills, um, should have been a touchdown there. And then Jalen Ramsey with just an absurdly bad holding penalty on the final drive for the Bills. If Josh Allen doesn't get the first down there, that's an all-time knucklehead play by Jalen Ramsey where the play is not even on his side of the field and he's holding digs. Uh, but I think if one – the last box I needed this team to check before the playoffs started, Luca, was I need to see Diggs be Diggs because I can speculate. I could put out a Twitter thread. I can give my theory, but I haven't seen Diggs be Diggs for about two months now. And tonight, Diggs was Diggs. And now I feel like put the ball out there. Let's play the feud. This team's ready to roll. Yeah. Diggs was Diggs tonight. I mean, Allen missing him as he absolutely destroyed Ramsey, which. I think Collinsworth called it right. You know, Ramsey just flat footed was trying to jump something that he thought would be there. He was essentially playing a guessing game, but boy, did he guess wrong on a yeah. double move by Diggs? And it's like, oh man, Alan, you just got to hit him there because if he hits him there, that image, that everything it's, it's beautiful. That could have essentially been the moment that truly puts doubt in the dolphin side earlier on that then really has them thinking about what the heck is going on because their number one guy just got destroyed and, and digs tonight. Um, I loved what they did with utilization of him or early on in drives multiple times. The first play, the first play of the offensive, uh, the game altogether was just that quick little inside shot to digs for four or five yards, whatever it turned out to be. I love that. Get the ball in his hands, get him comfortable, get Josh Allen comfortable with him. And then they were finding each other kind of in other key moments throughout the entire night. That's what you expect from Diggs. 
And then as you're kind of pointing out here, the one thing we haven't seen for a couple months is just those over top chance, you know, the deep shots, the chances, those big plays that are there with digs. It just seems like the ball isn't going to him in those moments. We saw the ball going towards him in those moments. Unfortunately, the connection wasn't had, but you would think and believe that water will eventually find its level. And since that hasn't been happening for so long that it will come now in the playoffs and digs truly is still digs and everything should be good in that, in that regard. And when it comes to his snap count, I mean, he had to be leaned on even more so with the Davis injury that occurred tonight, but I don't think that affected much to begin with in general. So it's like, I, I don't understand the concern with that whole situation. I, I will say, I think you are on a, your hunch or your gut feeling on them kind of reducing it late is a very thought, you know, it, it's, it makes sense. It's like, Hey man, this guy is, you know, he's North of 30 now. Like we need to rest him. We need to make sure he's there for the true money games. And yes, the yellow synergy that is Easton stick is not going to beat you or he shouldn't beat you. Although he may almost did. It's like, it's one of those things where you can get away with 60% digs in that game and you should be able to handle it. Luckily they did, but regardless, it's like, that's a moment where you just have to understand what's going on. It's, it's, um, uh, what was I going to say? It's kind of like NBA kind of situation where you're just, you're, you're putting them on rest. You're making sure they're good for when the games mean more, when they matter more. Cause if, if the bills inevitably lost that game, would it have cost them a playoff spot? Um, I guess we'll never know, but it, <laughs> it's just one of those things where, you can live with it. You know, you don't need him. You need other players to step up. You need your Khalil Shakirs. You need your Trent Sherfields. You need those guys to step up if you're limiting digs. But you would hope that Allen can elevate those guys and make it happen. So when it came to this money game, it's not a surprise. I think you were spot on, you know, kind of calling it out. It's one of those things where it's this is where you need him. You should expect him to show up. And he did. He showed up and he delivered. Diggs did everything you could ask for, from him and more so tonight. And he was, he was phenomenal. Like he, he was just very good. It wasn't jaw dropping numbers. You know, statistically, it's not like he kind of set the world on fire, but I don't think there's one person out there that could watch that game and tell me or tell us or tell anyone that they thought Diggs was average at best. He, he was, he was exactly what he's been. And I expect to see more of that come playoffs. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I, I think, um, I don't know. I, I think, your, your heart will tell you how you feel about something in the moment. And when it was third and 13 at the end of the game there for the bills, I'm thinking to myself, just find digs, just find digs. And, and I think, I think the fact that they got digs kind of going tonight just gives me a lot of optimism. Luke and I are recording this just like an hour after the game ended. So we are, we haven't seen a whole lot of comments come out of the locker room yet. I'm trying to stream Twitter to see if there's any injury updates. Thad Brown from Rochester WROC TV tweeted that Rasul Douglas said he thought he could have tried to continue playing, but Dane Jackson convinced him it wasn't necessary. Quote, he looked me in my eye and said, Rasul, if you're not hundred percent, I promise you, I got you. Luca, that kind of goes along with what you were saying is like, um, Rasul Douglas, you know, maybe the bills dodged a bullet here. You almost never can trust the injury reports you get. Like these guys want are running on adrenaline after the game. Um, they're not going to give you a lot of information. We absolutely are going to be in a situation here up until the bills take the practice field on Wednesday. I'm so happy they have a Wednesday practice. I mean, the season continues. That wasn't a guarantee when we woke up this morning and, uh, the season continues and it's a home game for the bills next week. We will figure out what's going on with Rasul Douglas. We'll figure out what's going on with Tyrell Dodson 
and we will figure out what is going on with Gabriel Davis. Deion Dawkins also left the game with a laceration on his hand, did come back in. Um, let's talk about those injuries, Luca, for a second. Um, I think you and I could both agree that Rasul Douglas, both because of how good he is, the position he plays, probably the biggest concern. Not necessarily from like the severity of the injury, but like if these guys were to miss time, what's the hardest one to overcome? Do you have a feeling on Gabe Davis versus Tyrell Dodson? And boy, oh boy, if I had asked you this question in August, you would have laughed me off the show. <laughs> but like, I think it's a real conversation. And I got to be honest, I, I think there's an argument to be made that Tyrell Dodson could be the more important player to this team just because of what they have behind him and what they have behind Davis. I, I think Tyrell Dotson is the answer. I, I I genuinely believe that. And it's not necessarily me even trying to kind of throw shade at Gabe Davis. I just think that there's more available depth-wise for the receiver position at this point than there is at linebacker, at least ones you can depend on to do their job and do their role. Gabe Davis can still be that guy who can kind of spring to life out of nowhere. The the running joke, of course, for him lately is that he shows up once a month as, you know, a top 10 wide receiver in the league, it seems like. So, and we've seen what Gabe Davis can do in a playoff atmosphere. You've seen the absolute high of what he can achieve. And obviously it's kind of record setting. So yes, Gabe Davis is very important, but you have digs still. You have Shakir, who is becoming a very dependable, reliable set of hands. You have Dalton Kincaid. You have Trent Sherfield, who, look, he hasn't been great this year and stuff like that, but at least tonight, when he needed to, he stepped up. He made a great touchdown catch off of a crazy bounce, and then on top of it, he made one or two other catches, I believe, outside of that, that were at key moments later in the game. It's like you have other guys you can put in there. Deontay Hardy did not really play wide receiver snaps. We know he can play wide receiver and he is good in his own right. It just seems like they don't necessarily find they're not fond of him. It seems like as a regular receiver, but regardless, if they needed to, they could depend on him. Flip it now. Tyrell Dodson out. It's like they were playing Balen Specter all out and you're looking at that or Dorian Williams and that's it. That is all you've got. I don't even know if AJ Klein's sniffing around at all, but. It's not like you want to get in a world where AJ Klein's playing meaningful snaps in the playoffs for you come as you know, whatever, however deep you get. It's like you need that Tyrell Dotson guy who has been very good at the job that he's been asked to do in this time as he's been filling in for Matt Milano's position. He's not the same guy as Matt Milano, of course. He can't do nearly half the things that Matt Milano can, but the things that he does excel at, the things that Sean McDermott has been doing a great job at putting him in position to do well at. He has been great in his own right. And next to Terrell Bernard, who of course has been phenomenal this season, that's been a very good pairing for them. You take out Tyrell Dodson, you bring in Balen Spector, who did actually kind of flash a little bit tonight, but you can't sit there and tell anyone that you, you can depend on that moving forward. That would be crazy. That, that On what grounds would you ever make that, you know, kind of, how could you say that? Basically, I mean, I loved how many times they said it going into, you know, once Balen Spector was playing regular snaps, he only played seven defensive snaps all season going into this game. It's like you can't sit there and say he's going to be dependable down the stretch in the playoffs. You need Tyrell Dodson there. You need him healthy. Hopefully he is healthy. Um, quick thing on the um, Dawkins thing. When they showed the lacerated hand uh, mm -hmm. situation and all that, I don't know if I've ever felt less concerned about an injury in my life mainly because the individual himself 
I think that was the funniest part about it. I was like, well, it's Deion Dawkins. No matter how like how lacerated his hand is, he and and when they even cut to him as it was getting like wrapped up and stuff, he looked so calm and collected. Like, and I was like, yeah, because there's nothing sane about Deion Dawkins at all that a severely lacerated hand. It's like, eh, yeah, we'll get around this. It's fine. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm just a really good left tackle in this league that I got a cut up hand. That's fine. So not concerned about that one whatsoever. The Gabe Davis one, hopefully he is okay. But yeah, I think if you're if you're trying to compare the two here, the going back to the original question, Josh, Tyrell Dotson to me is the answer on who would be missed more. What'd you think of Allen's night? Started off rocky. He had the two interceptions, had the fumble where Christian Wilkins just ripped the ball out of his hand. Amazing play by Christian Wilkins. Like that, you're so frustrated when it happens because again, the Bills are driving. And to me, that felt like it felt like when when Twitter turned on the Bills, like, okay, it's not going to happen. I'm sure your group chat may have done. You don't really do Twitter during the games. I know you do the group chat, which yeah. kind of gives you an idea of what Twitter's like. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised because I wasn't tracking his stats during the game to see that Josh Allen only had eight incompletions on the night. He was 30 for 38 and 359 yards, 67 more yards on the ground, two touchdowns, two interceptions and a fumble. Now look, Luca, I think the three turnovers are going to, if you thought there was a chance that Josh Allen could come in tonight, light up the dolphins, carry the bills to an AFC East championship and get himself back in on the MVP conversation because Lamar Jackson sat Jalen hurts was awful. Brock Purdy sat Christian McCaffrey sat Tyreek Hill didn't do a whole lot in this game. He scored a touchdown, but not, didn't have like the Tyreek Tyreek Hill explosion. Um, I, I think the turnovers probably squash any chance of that. Overall, what did you think of Josh Allen's night? I'm going to give a shout out to a buddy of mine, Butler, because this seems like a perfect time to rip out this reference. And if you are young and stuff like that, you know, I apologize that it's a little bit of a graphic thing. But if anyone's ever been on a wooden roller coaster before this, this night, was exactly what experiencing kind of as a youngin what it's like to go on your first wooden roller coaster. Roller coasters are goaded. They're awesome. They're incredible. And you're so excited to go on it. And a wooden roller coaster is just that ride that you sit on and your nuts take an absolute beating and you are just a worn out punching bag down there. And as soon as the ride's over and all the ups and downs that come, you get right back in line and you want to experience it over and over again because it's just absolutely goaded. That is Josh Allen. That is Josh Allen as a whole. And that is Josh Allen's performance tonight. It was an incredible experience when you look at it, you know, after the fact. And you're just like, I, as you're saying, it's unbelievable to sit here and go. He had eight incompletions. He had 359 passing yards with a pair of touchdowns on that. But he did have those three turnovers. One of them, I, I saw you tweeted out about it. At one point, I did dabble on Twitter. I didn't tweet anything, Josh, but I did peek to see kind of what you were tweeting, what other individuals were. I go to is basically the notifications at that point. And um, I saw the one thing about the, uh, the uh, we'll call it effort uh, interception. And I will be honest, when that one happened, that was the one where I was like, whatever. He, he ignored the open play that honestly, mm -hmm. it, I know it was open. It's probably there. Josh Allen should be able to get the ball where it needs to go to pick up the first down. But in that same regard, it's not like it was wide as Bruce Arians would say wide ass open. It was, there was a window he needed to hit and everything, but regardless, as soon as he looked that off and went the other way, that is exact. That's what I wanted him to do. Essentially. Just, just throw an effort because do not, not pick up that first down and give them prime position of the field. If you give them a touchback, so be it. 
it is a punt that just unfortunately went into the end zone. It's just one of those things. But the fumble in my eyes, that was where I even had to rip out the sad sacking and group chats and stuff. That's where I had to go. It's over, blah, blah, blah. You pull out that trump card, just that one last desperate attempt to turn around fate. Luckily, it worked out. But overall, Josh Allen's night was incredible. It was that wooden roller coaster experience. It was the epitome of Josh Allen, the Josh Allen experience. I, you know, it is, it's no longer a meme, Josh. It is just fact. It is the Josh Allen experience is exactly what it is. And I understand that so many people out there get frustrated. Like, how can you constantly sit there and just say it's okay to deal with turnovers and stuff? And yes, I'm not saying that it's not frustrated. Don't be frustrated at turnovers. Turnovers are always frustrating. In the context of a game, you do not want to turn over the ball. But you have Josh Allen, and you have to just kind of live in the acceptance that those things will happen. Like, the one thing I do now, Josh, I have cashed out on it 10 straight weeks, is bet Josh Allen over 0.5 interceptions. If the sports book's going to give it to me, I will absolutely bet it because that is just an inevitable thing that will happen. Josh Allen will hand the game away, but yet he is still so damn good. He will then go and win the bleeping game. So it's like, just live with the experience. It is not good for your heart. If you have any heart conditions, you should not be a Josh Allen and a Buffalo Bills fan. Please find another team. It may literally kill you if you are a Josh Allen fan. But outside of that, you know, if you are not concerned about your health, it is an experience that you just need to buckle up for, live through the lows, and understand that the highs are just around the corner. And when it comes to the fourth quarter, I want no one else to have the ball in their hand in this entire league, it feels like, than Josh Allen, than number 17, because he is a superstar and he is a world beater. It's just, look, turnovers suck, but he will win you the game. Yeah, and that's the point, because... Yeah, is it perfect? No. If Josh Allen could channel his best and only do that, he'd be the best player this sport has ever seen, and it wouldn't even be close. But it's moments like tonight that remind you of why we think this team can win a championship. Yes, the, the roster is good. Yes, the coach is good. Yes, the GM is good. But that super that Superman quarterback has another level he can get to. And when your quarterback is also your most competitive player, like – if you go back far enough with the Bills, you remember Kyle Orton sliding down prior to the first down marker. Uh, did Josh Allen look like he had any interest in sliding at all tonight with a hurt shoulder? Because he was jumping into piles trying to get first downs. And as much as we want it screaming at home, you try not to wake up your wife, me try not to wake up my kids, like our quarterbacks out there proving nobody in this world wants it more than him. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I think everything you said is perfect. I think... You have to take the good with the bad, but I I think that's almost that's almost become too easy to say. Like, oh, you got to take the good with the bad with Josh Allen. There's way more good than bad, and I'm yeah. not saying you. I'm saying like the people on national TV that are like, well, that's the Josh Allen experience. The Josh Allen experience is four division titles in a row. Jo <laughs> the Josh Allen experience is only one of two quarterbacks in the entire sport that have won a playoff game the last four years. Uh, so the Josh Allen experience is pretty sustainable. And um, boy, this has to be annoying from the Dolphins standpoint, don't you think, Luca? Like they thought they had the division locked up. The accounts like ours tweeting out videos, um, the, the Bills trolling them. Deion Dawkins with a post-game quote saying that Miami feels like home to the Bills and they consider that their stadium. That, that'll go over well. <laughs> uh, question for you, Luca. Do you have HBO? I do. Okay, well, let me tell you what will be a good watch this week. 
oh, hard yeah. knocks <laughs> season finale, regular oh, yeah. season finale. I mean, the Dolphins do have a playoff game next week. Uh, we'll, maybe we can get into whether we're going to root for the Dolphins next week or not, because I think we disagree on that. What else, Luca? Um, I thought Kincaid came up big tonight, which, you know, for rookies in a spot like this, you never know what you're going to get. I thought Torrent struggled. Uh, Kincaid, I think, came up really big, had a drop early. It's nice to see him not hang his head. Like one drop doesn't turn into four. Some big catch and runs. There was one play to Kincaid. Allen had the blitz. The blitz was really getting to the Bills early. And Josh threw a trust ball that reminded you kind of of Colby Easley, where it's like, look, they're blitzing me. I'm going to throw it to a spot I think you're going to go to. I hope you're right. And Kincaid ran right over the middle and caught it. It was like, yes, that's what we need out of you, Kincaid. Um, anybody else like just really grab your attention tonight from the Bills? I, I know James Cook had the one miscue. It is funny when Leonard Fournette became like the designated Josh Allen pusher on the quarterback sneaks. I'm thinking to myself, that's the perfect guy. He has the biggest quads in the entire sport. I mean, you might as well have that guy pushing your quarterback. <laughs> um, anybody else stand out to you as you're kind of going over the stats here? Defensively, your guy Benford got the pick early. That was a, a great play. Had some great coverage down the stretch. If you don't believe in Christian Benford at this point, you're just you're just being willfully ignorant because the, the <laughs> guy is a high-level starter that is going to be here for a long, long time. What else stood out to you tonight about, about these bills? I'll honestly say the one guy that stood out to me or just it's it's a credit to the guy. I'm sure there was a coaching aspect to this, especially at halftime. Um, but the Dolphins were finding their biggest success early on on that pistol uh, counter run play. It, mm -hmm. They were running. It, it was that is that is the um, that is the pinnacle of having an offensive minded coach who is setting up stuff that he knows will be there on tape that he understands the opponent's going to be kind of on the lookout for. All credit to McDaniel. That is brilliant coaching. That is brilliant setup and offensive-minded coaching. Like I, I when it was happening, and then NBC was smart enough to even show you how they were running essentially that opposite look. <coughs> excuse me, on that against the Ravens. It's like that is exactly what offensive-minded coaches do. That's the things that they are so good at, where they kind of try to make sure they stay a foot ahead. The player that stood out in the coaching that stood out to me was the defensive adjustment to that play come the second half where they were shutting it down. Teron Johnson was in the backfield every single time they ran that play. Mm. Every single time. He understood exactly what his job was on that play, and he executed it beautifully time and time again. And finally, it got kind of highlighted, noticed. I think they, you know, they talked about him late in the game on breaking up one of those plays, I believe specifically one of those run plays. And it's like, he was the key to that because in those moments he is, I mean, he does play that small linebacker position for the bills in nickel. Look, that is what he's doing. And he's generally playing that weak side on top of it. He's going to that place where the counter is going to move towards. I believe early in the game, it was technically Dodson that was over there because they were putting the nickel on the strong side and they made the executive decision coaching wise to flip that. And they were putting the weak side on the opposite side of that look and Teron Johnson executed on that play time and time again, that it just shot that down because that was truly the one thing that was helping the dolphins drive the ball every time in the first half, that singular run play was the one that McDaniel kind of just cracked it back out there because he understood it was a guaranteed at that point, eight to 12 yards. That's what it was between that and Devon Achan, who then scored on that play as well. I believe, I believe it was a similar style run. I don't know if it was exactly the same, but regardless, it was working so well that McDermott 
I'm sure isolated it, made the decision to slide Teron Johnson to that strong side of where the counter would inevitably run to, and Teron Johnson executed it beautifully every time. And that's why, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that's where he got all his tackles and assists from. I, I, I can't even really recall him making any other play in this game, and yet he still had four tackles, five assists, and I'm pretty sure they were all from that run play alone. So shout out him, man. And shout out, it's, it's a... It's a shout out to the coaching adjustment at halftime, but he is the individual that was isolated in that moment and executed it to perfection. He is such a weapon on defense. He allows the Bills to stay in a base nickel predominantly because he fills like a linebacker, covers like a cornerback. He is a unicorn that the Bills are just absolutely lucky to have. I do want to look ahead to the playoffs a little bit, Luca, but um, before we get um, to game balls and game checks, we have to give a shout out to some friends of ours in Nashville. Hey, Tennessee Titans, we appreciate you. If you rode the wave of today, you know, we didn't end up needing the help, but we'll take the help. And boy, the Titans along the way beat the Dolphins in Miami to make tonight possible, beat the Jaguars today on what could end up being Mike Vrabel's last game as head coach, could end up being Derrick Henry's last game as Titans running back, should end up being Ryan Tannehill's last start as a starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> end the Jacksonville Jaguars season and punch the Bills ticket to the playoffs uh, four and a half hours before the Bills game even started, which took a lot of the pressure off of me and you and Bills fans everywhere that were like, you know, I don't want to be a wild card team, but you want to go ahead and lock me in for that now and still give me the upside of the AFC East. I'll take it. Hey, Tennessee Titans, we appreciate you. We appreciate the help along the way. And uh, and shout out to you. Your season's over. And I was just scrolling Twitter. Look, there's already been a coach fired. Arthur Smith is yeah, gone. Arthur Smith got <laughs> Arthur Smith got canned. I mean, that one writing was on the wall. And him yelling at Dennis Allen, hilarious. Yeah. That whole situation, by the way, I am Team Jameis Winston. <laughs> yeah, shout out Jameis Winston. Yes, Dude, what a savage. <laughs> Dude, like I'm I'm sorry. This is a league that doesn't have guaranteed. Con okay, folks, like we're we're gonna divert for a couple seconds back to the Bills. If you didn't see it. The the Falcons were were getting blown out by the Saints. Uh, the Saints okay. were going to go kneel it out. They were like on the Falcons' two yard line. Jameis Winston, the backup quarterback, is in, and they fake the kneel down and hand it to Jamal Williams, the running back, who scores a touchdown. And Dennis Allen is just lose not Dennis Allen, um, Arthur Smith, the Falcons coach, is just losing his mind on the sidelines. Like, why would you do that? It looked like a classless move. Well, the story comes out after the game that Jamal Williams had a very significant pay increase in his contract an incentive that if he scored a touchdown today he would make six figures of a bonus good that's what players should do because oh, yeah. this is a league that'll turn around and cut you when they're going to supposed to give you six million dollars next year and they're going to be like ah you're not going to see that money so stick it to them and if dennis allen first of all i don't know dennis allen from adam i have a hard time believing he truly doesn't like it i'm sure he's probably like oh yeah i'm sorry that was on them but i'm sure on the inside like that's awesome like Jameis winston I, what did you think luke i know you followed that um, whole thing yeah the week 18 is all about player incentives that's truly what it is especially in those games like the at that point i mean i think it was early fourth quarter that it already looked like the bucks were going to win so the bucks won the division that game becomes irrelevant it truly came down to if you noticed and you followed that game, which I was watching that game, all of a sudden Taysom Hill was taking a lot of snaps at quarterback and certain things were happening that you understood. It was player incentive based. So yes, a turnover happens. The saints have the ball on the one 
And I love what Jameis Winston said. He, he went to the huddle. The play call came in. It was a kneel down play call. And in the huddle, Jameis Winston said, he asked, you know, it, it basically was a huddle decision. Does anyone need anything? And Jabal Williams said, I need a touchdown to hit that bonus. And Jameis Winston made the executive decision of, all right, you're getting in the end zone here. We got this. We're going to do this. And it was it was the boys watching out for the boys. And I'm sure Jameis Winston's going to get a nice present for that handoff. I am sure Jamal Williams is going to reward him for, you know, kind of putting his neck out on the line for him in that case. Because, yes, if if you tr if that wasn't the case, if it doesn't come out that way, right, if, if we don't hear the story, inevitably, Arthur Smith could feel slighted. He could feel disrespected and no one would disagree with that. It, it's a, that does from the outside with no context, look like a very classless move by the saints in general against the Falcons. But now that the context is there, I feel like even Arthur Smith should understand because Arthur Smith's been around the league. He understands football. He's a former player himself. Not that he really played in the NFL and at that level, but he understands ball and he understands kind of the camaraderie and players looking out for each other. And it's like at the end of the day, man, when you understand that that's what happened, I'm sure he would even be like, it is like, it was two seconds left on the clock. I'm pretty sure at that point too, it was very, very, very late. It would have been the last snap of the game. And then that happened. So Shout out Jameis Winston, man. Like that dude, I think Jameis Winston just got himself backup roles for the next five years doing something mm -hmm. like that because any locker room is going to want a guy like him around. They already did, I'm sure. But now it's just another thing to add to the Jameis Winston legacy of like, yeah, we need this guy in our locker room. We need him looking out for the guys. He is there for you and you know he's going to do whatever it is to get you some bread. Jameis Winston and the Saints will not be moving on to the playoffs. They were one of... Uh, 18 teams in the NFL that saw their season come to an end today as 14 teams advance the Ravens and the Niners have the buys on either side and our Buffalo Bills will do battle with the Pittsburgh Steelers next Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern the final score in Miami today Buffalo Bills 21 Miami Dolphins 20 some stats from the game the Bills outgained the Dolphins 473 total yards to 275 total yards and time of possession was another one that was, was really impressive. The bills had 38 minutes of time of possession. Dolphins had less than 22, just a dominant performance all around by the Buffalo bills. And I think that's why the first half was so frustrating is because they had nothing to show for how well they were playing offensively. They were moving the ball at will, but kept shooting themselves in the foot. All right, Luca, let's put a bow on this one with game balls and game checks before we start talking a little bit about what's going to be coming up for the Bills and the rest of the NFL next week. The Bills, 11-6 and six on the season, win a game in Miami to lock up the two-seed, the AFC East Championship. Who gets your game ball for the performance tonight against the Miami Dolphins? Deontay Hardy, take a bow, sir. When the game felt inevitably lost, like it just felt like nothing was going to work out, and I'll even point out an individual in my game check segment. I figured that one out that there was a situation with them where it's like things were happening with them and it just wasn't working out. Things were happening. As you pointed out, they would drive down the length of the field and shoot themselves in the foot at the end. It, it was starting to roll into itself where this was like uh, last season, week four in Miami where they're dominating in yards. They're on the field all the time. In that case, they were dying literally on the field because of the heat. But this time, luckily there was not that heat and it just wasn't working out. And on a dime, as we talked about before, 
he capitalized on an unfortunate. I, I think NBC did a good job tonight. I, I'm going to give a shout out to NBC. They they highlighted certain things very well. They didn't go over the top with anything stupid like it seems like they do at times. And when they pointed out the fact that truly the the seam that was opened up for Hardy was kind of caused due to the injury of a player, a, a bad injury from the looks of it. It was non-contact. He kind of just had to go down. And then unfortunately for Ingold, who was in front of him, as he turned around to try to make a play on the on Hardy, he tripped over his own guy. Hardy capitalized on it, man. That's, that's just what you got to do. And it's, it's a big boy league. And it's, you know, I don't think a Dolphins fan's even upset about it when they look at it. It's just a very unfortunate thing when a bounce finally happened our way. We had the one with the one touchdown and then a bounce went our way again with another touchdown. And Hardy essentially flipped the game on its head and finally showed up for this team in a big moment at a key moment. And shout out him, man. He deserves all the game balls possible from this game for me. Deontay Hardy, you are getting my game ball. That's a great call. I mean, you talk about a momentum changer, the fact that the Bills, I think, really had nothing going as far as finishing drives at that point. I think that was the one that just kind of made them believe, okay, this this can be our night. Um, I think Taylor Rapp's a guy that deserves some consideration. I mean, you make the play that ends the game. You certainly deserve your name up there. Christian Benford kind of set the tone. Dane Jackson coming in for Rasul Douglas cannot be lost in the shuffle, I guess, if you want to say Bale Inspector as well. Um, on the offensive side, I think Diggs, Shakir, Kincaid all came up very strong. Shakir, especially over 100 yards um, on a night where Gabe Davis was down. You love to see that. Um, Josh Allen, as, as bad as it was, I think set the tone for this team. Um, you saw it also with Kincaid, drops a pass early, resets, does well. Josh Allen had an abysmal start to this game, reset, and still got this himself on the right track to become the best playmaker on the field tonight. But all of that tells me that the my game ball should go to head coach Sean McDermott. The team was in the right headspace tonight. There were plenty of reasons along the way for this team to think, ah, oh, it's probably not our night, or oh, this kind of reminds me of another situation we were in where X, Y, and Z happened and we folded. This, and even Eli Apple sitting there taunting them after being gifted a couple of good plays. Um, the Bills never stopped they never blinked they kept pressing forward and they found a way to win he was aggressive we need to be aggressive he was aggressive and it could have cost them but their defense backed him up i thought sean mcdermott was super strong tonight and he gets my game ball all right luca for the good there's got to be some bad i suppose who gets your game check tonight in the uh, bills dolphins game yeah it's a tough game to find the bad but there are mm -hmm. There's bad in there, and, and this is not going to be one of those nights, in my opinion, that Gabe Davis gets his name called out, even though yeah. he was nothing on the stat sheet. We talked about it off air. A little mini shout out to him. Khalil Shakir doesn't break out that massive play if it wasn't for an incredible block by Gabe Davis, a two for one, essentially, where it just opened up that edge for Shakir to take it upfield. Um, but I did find one. It kind of came to me a little bit because when I look back at this game, the one thing that feels like it's a little frustrating um, that more effectiveness wasn't found by this individual. It's James Cook. Mm -hmm. and, and really what it comes down to is it never truly early on. I think he had one or two decent runs, but outside of that, I legitimately cannot think of anything big that he produced for this team. I mean, I have a parlay that literally he's the only reason it didn't hit as well. And it's not like I had outrageous numbers on that parlay. They were very manageable numbers and he just did not reach those. Um, by a couple of yards, I will say. But regardless, I digress. It, it's it's one of those things where 
he just didn't step up where I think opportunity was there because this was a game like Khalil Shakir excelled because the game was kind of won inside the numbers primarily for the bills on offense. And he was just not very effective. And then on top of it all, the cherry on top, the reason he gets my game check is that drop in the end zone late in the first half was one that I truly believed up until the Deontay Hardy punt return touchdown was going to be the thing that I was going to sit here and go, I'm seeing that in sleep tonight. That is the one where it's like, you got to catch that ball. Allen puts it right where it needs to be. You need to catch that. And we've seen it out of him before where he's not catching a ball that Allen's essentially putting in a bread basket for him. And it's like, Hey man, you want to be that big play guy. He has been a big play guy for this offense. He has tons of scrimmage yards to show for it, but it's like in those key moments in a big game like this, you need to see him produce and step up at those times when he gets his number called and it just didn't work out for him tonight. So yeah, James cook, he is my game check guy. It's a great call. And I think James cook has gotten a lot of flowers. He made the pro bowl. Um, Vic Fangio said he's the best bills running back since Thurman Thomas. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't want to say, I don't want this to come the wrong way. I think there's a risk that maybe James Cook is a little overrated at this point by a lot of Bills fans. I think James Cook has a very high ceiling, uh, but we have to remember he's a young player. He's He's got some room to grow. And man, those plays like tonight, those are the ones that you expect him to make. The passing game is what makes him special. And, you know, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, they make those plays. And, you know, I'm not saying James Cook needs to be those guys, but that's, you know, Alvin Kamara was his comp and we're talking about him being a pro bowler. Now, those are plays you got to squeeze and it's happened a couple times now, excuse me, to James Cook. And, you know, a, a guy that went to Georgia, played national championship games at Georgia. You don't expect the moment to be too big for him. I wouldn't think that's what it was, but clear, clear weather tonight, ball in his hands, concentration drop on a ball that you know, as bad as things were going, that really could have reset the game. And maybe he didn't even need the hardy touchdown if that happens. And maybe we're looking at Josh Allen's and I even a little bit different. So I like that move from you. Uh, I'm going to go with a, another young player, Osiris Torrance. And, and look, uh, you even mentioned it on Friday. Um, th this was a tough draw for him because the Dolphins were down some dudes, but one dude they have is Christian Wilkins. And, and that's a tough draw for anybody, but particularly a rookie guard on the road in a do or die game. You know, that that's not that's easier said than done. But I, I thought um, on the interior, the Dolphins were in the backfield a little bit too much tonight. But more that more so than that, I don't know if it was a communication issue, but it felt like the Dolphins just had way too many free rushers up the middle tonight where guys were coming up the middle clean, not hit. And, you know, and that's just basic football. Like if you're Torrance, you want to make sure you get the guy that has the cleanest path to the quarterback blocked first and at least make the other guy go around you to, to buy Allen another half second of time. I thought I thought Torrance had a pretty rough night tonight and hopefully he can clean that up uh, by the time the playoffs roll around next week. Speaking of the playoffs, Luca, the Bills will be taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo um, 1 p.m. on Sunday. I love that time slot, by the way. Because um, you get to get the first day of playoffs really kind of stress-free. You can enjoy it. Uh, you don't, you're not thinking about the fact that your team plays later that day, so you can just enjoy the games, and one of which will be KC and Miami. We'll clearly be locked into that. They're both AFC games on Saturday. You got the Browns and the Texans to kick it off. Then you have – do I have that right? Yeah, and then Dolphins and Chiefs that night. That is, that is a beauty of a Saturday. And then the really the three AFC games right in a row, and then the Bills and Dolphins, our Bills and Steelers kick it off Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon at, at one p.m. 
Um, I love that spot because then you get your game out of the way. And if you win, which by the way, Bills, please win, then you can just <laughs> kick back and relax and stress-free watch all the NFC games. If the Bills lose, you can turn off your TV and forget all about football if you so <laughs> choose, like I did after the Bills lost to the Texans and I missed Tom Brady's last game as a Patriot. Uh, initial thoughts on this matchup luca we will obviously be breaking it down in full on friday night bills chat live will be all over it um just initial off the cuff it doesn't sound like tj watt's gonna make it back for this game everybody that's reported on it rapaport Schefter says it's a multi-week injury um you know you're not gonna face easy teams in the playoffs so don't take this the wrong way but i think as far as playoff opponents go i feel like this is probably the best draw the bills could have got let's say you this was absolutely the best draw that the Bills could have gotten in this 2-7 spot. I mean, in our live show, when I had Joe DeRosa, a friend of the show, on with myself, we kind of brought up a little bit of a mini conversation of who would you rather play, the Colts or the Texans? And the thought was essentially that you'd be playing one of those two. And then somehow, <laughs> excuse me, somehow, some way, we found ourselves in a world where the Titans took care of the Jags, the Steelers did take care of, um, took care of the Ravens, although it was, you know, second and third string Ravens, although there were a couple starters, but they took care of business there and things just, the chips fell where they may. And the Steelers with Mike Tomlin, although the unfortunate injury to TJ Watt happens, they will be coming to Buffalo. And it's like initial thoughts on that matchup. It's the best draw you could possibly have, but yeah, it's the playoffs, man. I, anything can happen. We, we saw that the line opened up on DraftKings, at least for myself, was at 10. It actually already moved to nine and a half, Josh. That tells me that people at least are putting early money on that double-digit 10 spot. And, and I think the public doing that makes sense. A 10-point spread in the playoffs is insane. <laughs> like You yeah. have to respect the team a little bit. It does kind of have a little bit of those vibes like it was when the Steelers made the playoffs um, a few years ago and they got a date with the chiefs where Steelers fans went to Kansas city kind of just to say goodbye to big Ben. Like it was that it was one of those games where it was like, I mean, we're really not going to win this game, but at least we can say goodbye to a legend. He, he bought himself one last game. It was, it was a cool moment for big Ben in his career and everything to have that kind of nice send off in a, in a playoff game. Uh, although they did start, I believe up in the lead because of a TJ Watt fumble recovery for a touchdown in that game. Mm -hmm. But, Overall, it does have a feeling that as long as the Bills take care of business, they take it serious, which I would hope they would. I mean, <laughs> I would hope to God that they should be able to handle that matchup. And then at that point, too, they will already know where their next kind of opponent is, because as you pointed out, the AFC games are the night before. I, I bet you there will probably be watching parties among Bills players for those playoff games. They will just be watching that, enjoying it on the day before, the evening before their own game, just to see how the Chiefs-Dolphins game exclusively on Peacock works out or the game prior on ESPN when it's uh, Browns-Texans. Like an annual tradition, unlike any other, Josh, if the Texans are in the playoffs, they are playing that Saturday afternoon game on ESPN. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. a Texans wildcard game <clears throat> not in that spot. It's quite remarkable. You would think the Texans have ESPN stock, and that is why it happens. It's it's a weird, weird situation. So um, I'm excited for playoffs. I'm excited they found themselves in this position where they do get to play the Steelers, and I'm excited more so, Josh, come Friday to break it down in more thorough fashion with yourself. Yeah, I'm excited about this matchup as well, and uh, this will be Josh Allen's second time in a playoff matchup against a 2018 quarterback classmate 
First time it was Lamar Jackson in 2020. And uh, I don't know if a lot of people would have projected Mason Rudolph would be his next opponent, but here we are. We, I mean, I assume Mason Rudolph is going to get the start. I, I can't imagine they go back to Kenny Pickett at this point. And Rudolph has been okay, and it's hard to hold too much against him in, in what happened in this last game where the ball was slick. But, you know, if you're the Bills, you, I don't – he didn't go on this five game winning streak, winning in Kansas city, winning in Miami, you know, almost beating the Eagles, um, to, to the lose the off Dallas. Yeah. Destroying <laughs> Dallas. Like let's not have it be all of that to, you know, come up just short against Mason Rudolph, but we'll talk about that on Friday. I, I feel as far as spots go, the bills are in a perfect spot. And that's another thing I was thinking of Luca, as this game was playing out, if the dolphins had won, <clears throat> The Chiefs would have had this spot. They would have played Pittsburgh, and then they would have been the ones in the seat of not having to go to Baltimore next week. They would, you know, because obviously they would have either gone to Miami or if Miami lost to Buffalo, Buffalo goes to Baltimore and Kansas City would be playing either Jacksonville or Cleveland in their own building. And it would have just been like another, like, oh God, like Kansas City's never going to have to play on the road. Houston so. or Cleveland. What did I say? Jackson. You said Jackson. Oh yeah. I guess my brain was so burned from the, from the machine. Also let's talk about some other matchups that Houston Cleveland game is fun Oh, yeah. because it's in Houston fast track. CJ Stroud, I think is excellent. They don't have tank delis out for the year. That Cleveland defense is dynamic. That is going to be a fun chess match. I know you're big on the Browns. I, th- I haven't seen it aligned for this game. I think the Texans are going to put up a fight. I know the Browns destroyed them when they played them a couple of weeks ago. Case Keenum played in that game. And I do think there is a significant line of scrimmage advantage for the Browns in that game um, on both, guess, on both sides guess, of the ball. Do you want to guess the betting line? Oh, I haven't seen any playoff betting lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, all the I, I know. I know what it is for the Browns Texans. It's already moved as well. <clears throat> so. I would, I would guess Browns Texans is Browns minus one and a half. Okay, that is what it opened up at. It's already moved to minus two and a half. Okay. I I am one of the individuals that got a ticket in early on Browns minus one and a half because, yes, as you pointed out, I am big on the Browns. And we will discuss, again, teaser alert, we will discuss some of these things a lot more probably on Friday where we have differentiated opinions on things, but I am holding a lot of stock in the Browns because I believe in the Browns. I There is a world where I believe the Browns might literally be the third best team in the AFC going into this playoffs right now. It's not because I'm just buying into the hype of the Flacco machine. Although I am a big Flacco fan always. It's a weird thing, Josh. I've always kind of had this thing for Joe Flacco, even like I, I have memories of all those different runs with Joe Flacco and the Ravens. Fun fact about Joe Flacco. He is two and Oh, at home in the playoffs in his entire career. He, it's incredible that he went through all those playoff games and he only had two at home the entire time. He is 2-0 and in Baltimore, though. Lamar Jackson, 0-2 in Baltimore. Just saying, just a thing. But anyways, he also has an incredible playoff record in general, of course. When you do win a Super Bowl, you generally have a pretty good record. But um, overall, I think Cleveland's a great, great team. And I'm not sleeping on the Texans. I just don't think the Texans inevitably have that punch that they need to go toe-to-toe with Cleveland, who are they're, they're in their best form, even though they're on QB4. 
Like they mm. are truly at their peak right now. And I think Stefanski is smart enough to understand that. And he's unleashing things in this offense right now that he didn't even feel was capable with Deshaun Watson under center. And then that defense is unbelievable. So yes, they're much better at home than on the road, but against the Texans team, against a rookie quarterback, even as good as CJ Stroud is where Nico Collins has been incredible for them, but it's like, you really wish the Texans had tank Dell. If you want them to truly win that game, and that it's where I think they inevitably come up short against a great team like Cleveland. And then potentially you do get your Flacco return to Baltimore, depending on how those games work out. And boy, if you think Stafford going to Detroit is a fun matchup, I will, I might the, if the bills win Josh and they do make the divisional round, but then the Browns are set up, to play the Ravens, I may be more excited for that game than I would be for a Bills divisional game just because I would be eyes glued to see what the heck the reaction would be like in Baltimore with their kind of QB goat coming into their house with the franchise that they stole trying to take a playoff win from them. Just an incredible thought that I think the world deserves to see. That's all you, you've gone too far. You, <laughs> there's no way you're more excited about Flacco against the Ravens than you would know. be for Bills hosting the Chiefs in the playoffs. I, I, true, true, true. Like you've true, been calling but, for that for three years. Um, but man, oh. I know. I'm, I'm with you. I've always liked Flacco too. He's the only quarterback in NFL history to beat Tom Brady twice in a playoff game in Foxborough. Yep, that's that's something. Awesome. He's only one of two quarterbacks in NFL history to have playoff victories over Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Yep. The other one is Mark Sanchez, but <laughs> kind of random, but Joe Flacco, you know, you're right. And like, that was such a weird era of football where, uh, you know, it was Manning, it was Brady and sprinkling some big Ben and Flacco got his, and that's not an easy, easy way to get yours. Um, so we shall see. We are about the hour and 10 minute mark. It is one o'clock on the east coast right now so we're gonna wrap this up what a ride this 2023 regular season has been there were certainly times along the way that i felt like the, the bills weren't going to make the playoffs i argued with luca that they had no shot at winning the division he told me that oh no 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 look at the dolphins end of season schedule and it turns out those tennessee titans were the ones that kept it alive and the bills are not only in the playoffs but they are in the catbird seat they're the number two seed and it all comes through Buffalo, at least for the first couple of rounds. It's a beautiful sight to see. This team is resilient, and uh, this team has as good of a look at making a playoff run as any Bills team under Sean McDermott. Luca, any final thoughts on this beautiful night, or I guess now morning, of Bills football? No, it's a beautiful feeling. It's a beautiful thing that we sit here in the inevitable result that we were there. I'm so happy that this actually happened. I will say with five, six weeks ago, whenever it was, as I kept trying to preach this to people, it was really, I will say just to be like, guys, guys, calm down, calm down. Things are okay. The path is still there. And I am so, so happy that they actually figured it out. And yeah, like you final note, you shouted out the Tennessee Titans for lightening the load. It felt like today alone with the Jags, but if it wasn't for the Titans, having that improbable win against the Dolphins on Monday Night Football as well, we would not be sitting here with what we feel. So Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel, shout out you. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal job down the stretch. Hopefully you saved your job because, boy, do you deserve it for what you did for the Bills. 
All right. Well, we'll find out hopefully, uh, well, not hopefully we'll find out if any more coaches get fired tomorrow and we'll see, uh, well, there's a national championship game tomorrow. This is, I mean, it's sad that NFL is over, but like now that we have a good team, like they get to keep playing, which is nice, but what a beautiful weekend this is like week 18, always kind of weird. Like you have Jeff Driscoll starting, (laughs) um, but man, what a fun weekend. The bills are in the thick of it. And uh, we will be here for the rest of this ride and then into the offseason. We appreciate all of you taking time to listen to us. And uh, we'll be back for Bill's Chat Live on Built in Buffalo. For Luca, I am Josh McCarty, and we will talk to you next time on Bill's Chat Live.